0: Hey there, and we're live with episode 104 of Push the Point, presented by the Masters Buttons Podcast Network, your source for Overwatch League updates, player storylines, news, and more for season four of the Overwatch League. I'm your host, Ramsey. Thanks for tuning in, whether you're on the stream with us or you're listening on your podcast platform. Just reminding you to follow us on Twitter at Pushpoint Leave us a review on iTunes or wherever you like to listen to the show. Spotify, if they have reviews, or even SoundCloud. And as always, thanks for being here. We appreciate you guys. Find us in the Mash Those Buttons Discord server. We're streaming right now at Twitch.tv/slash Mash Those Buttons. It's a joyous day. I think in my house, I just had commencement earlier today. Congratulations, exhausted. Thank you, sir. It's graduating in fall. Fall 2019 was a trip, but uh, I'm (laughs) glad to finally have walked. I finally have the closure. (laughs) a little bit yeah it it, It actually feels like i'm an adult yeah so i'm feeling pretty good uh i it's been a crazy freaking weekend of overwatch if you just looked at the scores um it's a it's still kind of mind-blowing labosco my buddy my partner in crime how are you doing this evening
1: well again congrats on finally being able to walk but it has been um it's been a good weekend it was a very there was a lot of 3-0s and 3-1s. I don't know if we had an actual 3-2 at all. We we didn't have a 3-2 at all nope. these, this past weekend, which was, um, I think it's a little bit expected for for the first week because there's going to be some teams that have the meta figured out maybe a little bit better and some teams that maybe don't have as good of a grasp for it. I think some mm-hmm. of the teams were a little bit of a surprise, but you know we'll get to all that here soon enough. Also, some good signings and
0: uh, an unfortunate retiree, too. For sure, for sure. We have a ton of news to talk about this week. And um, if you followed Overwatch in the past week at all, um there's another special topic we'll get to talk about at the end. Um yeah. It'll uh it'll it'll be fun. But first we're topic, gonna go yeah. we're gonna go into our two highlight games for this week. Uh number one comes out of the APAC region. We're gonna talk first about the New York Excelsior versus the Philadelphia Fusion.
2: NYXL vs. the Philadelphia Fusion Saturday's match between New York and Philadelphia brought a lot of tension and rivalry to the table. The Fusion tank line, Mono and Hotba would be facing off against their former squad for the first time. Their opponents, the Excelsior, were looking to make good on their preseason potential after enduring a rough May melee stage. Hype videos and social media described the match as a battle between New York's youthful potential and Philadelphia's veteran dominance. New York and Philly traded MAP1 back and forth. The squads were surprisingly evenly matched as Flora and Yakpung matched Carpe and Mano beat for beat. New York took the win off of a duplicate stall from Feather and a MAP-winning double boop kill from Friday. The Excelsior kept their foot on the gas with a strong attack run. The Fusion struggled to lock down a foothold, giving up all three points and being held to point one on their own attack run. Flora's Ash play dominated the whole map, even locking out the Fusion with a huge triple kill to end the map. The Fusion looked to save the series on Rialto. After floundering on non-comfort heroes, Carpe finally started building momentum with some excellent plays on McCree. New York kept a strong push to the doorstep of point three, but couldn't seal the deal. An expert brig whip shot slapped away New York's last attempt and gave Philly the map win. Philly tried to combat NYXL's aggressive dive by running a Reaper McCree anti dive strategy on map four. Fusion managed to limit NYXL to only a 32-second time bank on their attack run. But on their own attack run, they struggled to secure the point. When they finally seemed to break through the defense, a critical teleport mistiming left the Fusion just short of a map touch and gave New York the win.
0: All right, little Bosco, I woke up and saw the score for this game. And I I, I saw the scores. I saw everybody's flabbergasted t- tweet. Excuse me, flabbergasted takes on Twitter, and I had to know. I had it. I had to know what happened. New York wins this game three to one, and it's weird because like it's almost a coming out party for New York, and then you look at where how they performed in Game Two this week, and it wasn't as good. Um It is a mystifying game a little bit from the Philadelphia Fusion side as well. Yeah. Just to only get one map.
1: It's very confusing um, because you look at the roster from top to bottom for Philadelphia and you feel like they should probably beat this very inexperienced team on the other side. But for me, when when I I look back at this game, Ramses, the thing that that stands out to me the most is I was really impressed with both Flora and Feather. I thought Mm. that they... They not only competed with, but really outplayed at at quite a few points throughout this game. Rascal and Carpe, which is almost feels blasphemous to say, but that's what it was. That was one of the really big differences. And and I think Alarm had maybe one of his rougher games in this one, even though he was still a factor. I don't think he was when Alarm is playing well. He he seems to be very noticeable.
0: Well, and even then, he I still think he kind of was dragging him, kicking and screaming him a little bit halfway through. You got to give credit as well. Yakpung and Bianca were all on. Yakpung especially had a great game on that. It seemed like he was always on top of Alarm, on top of Toby, uh, taking Carpe out of the game as well. Like he he has looked so much better, at least in that game, than he did for all of the May Melee stage. I feel
1: like you you don't like like this might be proof. Don't ever trash talk Jonak. Because like (laughs) Alarm had some words for Jonak leading into it. And he was kinda like, you know, he was kinda messing around, but but still like he 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 clearly wasn't too, like about proving himself and all this. And well Jonak, I guess, didn't really like that because Jonak played pretty darn good too. Like he wasn't the carrier or anything on the team necessarily, but he definitely had a huge impact in them winning.
0: They did that hype video beforehand, which was that was awesome, by the way, lobosco I don't know if you, I don't know if you got a chance to see it, but they had both teams kind of pose up, trash talk each other a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. It was really funny. You kept seeing New York, New York players keep being like, "Ah, oh, Uncle Mono, you must be so tired, Uncle Mono. Like oh, you're man. so old." And then I, they just show Mono's age, and it just hit twenty six, and <laughs> him looking unimpressed. Between that two, you had a lot of like them. You had a lot of them talking about Mono, um, Hop, talking about how he's so much better now. And then a lot of New York really kind of pushing like we've got like we are the new force. It really seemed like it was Philadelphia kind of coming in as like the veterans with a lot of experience versus New York kind of as these young upstarts. And for the most part, it really seemed like New York had their number. We saw a lot of Flora on the McCree, who that was his main character, I think, for the entire game. Feather was on the echo a lot, looked really good. Mm-hmm. Yakpung on the monkey. Bianca on the diva as well. So I think like it's our first glimpse as far as what that side of the meta looks like, or that side of the bracket. Uh lots of mercy going down in APAC. There's a lot uh, of mercy
1: but- on in, in NA too. Like there, there's a lot of I feel like nobody has the meta perfectly figured out yet, because we saw like a smattering of everything
0: throughout. We definitely did, and it seemed like some teams Really like to stick to those comfort picks of McCree. I think it's kind of something yeah. to talk about with Billy in this game. For some reason, I don't know what I, it had to have been a game planning thing. You saw Carpe sticking to like the Hanzo a lot, and it wasn't really getting the job done. Once he's finally stuck to the McCree, they seem to kind of swing stuff back a little bit. But by that time, New York. Well, don't no, let's talk about how the game ends really quick. The game ends with a C nine, and not even a real C nine. Like they. They managed to bash or sorry, they whip shot Hoppe before he can even touch point. Yeah, it's a
1: a unfortunate end for New York or for Philly. I mean, Um, it's funny. I'm thinking of Hoppe when he was on New York and his picture he he has New York on. If you go to the Overwatch League page, he still is in his (laughs) New York um, jersey on on the site, which is funny to see. Yeah, Mm -hmm. it's an unfortunate end. But at the same time. Like kind of it, it's almost like this was sort of expected with how they were playing here and Carpe on the McCree. They, they had him play it, it for quite a bit. It didn't really seem to matter. That's the mm-hmm. thing. Like I, I. I'm a little surprised that he didn't have as much of an impact as we saw on the other side. I don't know if it, if Laura was the bigger difference or feather on, on the echo, because when you look at this, like they eventually go full mirror. And they can 't compete with New York, so th- mm-hmm. this is one of those weekends where I'm really curious to see how does Philadelphia bounce back from it because they did not have a good first weekend, and new york there's going to be growing pains. I think that's the big thing, like yeah, this is a good win and shows sort of the potential, but they still had a not a perfect weekend either.
0: Well, I think it's time to go on to our second highlight game of the week uh. This one I've been really excited to cover, the Boston Uprising versus the Washington Justice.
2: Washington Justice versus Boston Uprising. The June Joust qualifiers have not gone the way many Washington Justice fans were expecting. A day one 3-0 loss to the Paris Eternal was a foreboding start to what would be an exceptionally rough week for the Justice. For the Boston Uprising, the start of the June qualifiers have been a complete 180 from May's results. Two 3-0 wins have pushed the Uprising into pole position with a great chance to qualify for the June joust if they can manage one more victory next week. This week, the Uprising finally started their rookie off-tank, Gabulski, who immediately showed why he was such a coveted pick this off-season. Washington seemed to have the upper hand at the start of Map 1 on Li Jing Tower, but after losing two fights to the Justice dive comp, the Uprising would employ a more methodical orissa based comp. With I'm 37 playing McCree and Valentine playing Reaper, they were able to regain control and eventually take Night Market. The Uprising would lose the first fight on Gardens, but regain their composure to take the map and an early lead in the series. Map 2 brought the teams to Hollywood, where the Uprising would sub Punk into play Sigma. This move would allow their frontline to play a poke-style comp that would allow for I'm 37's hitscan Pro-West to shine while Valentine worked from the skies on Echo. Boston defense would nearly hold on the first point, eventually stopping Washington's push in the streets phase of Hollywood. Uprising's offense had no problems matching their progress quickly opening the point and pushing the cart to the box of victory. Suddenly, Boston was one map away from a 6-0 weekend sweep. Junkertown would be more of the same for the Justice, as their offense would have trouble cracking the Uprising's defense. A first point hold for the Uprising would make their offensive push a quick and easy one, giving them the 6-0 sweep of the weekend. Many are wondering if this could be a return to form that we haven't seen from the uprising since season one. For the Justice, many questions remain. The biggest one being, where was decay all weekend?
0: All right, so Lobo, again, looking at the scoreline for this, seeing a 3-0 for Boston is not something I expected to see in my week, let alone against the Washington Justice. Um, There's a lot of questions that come out of this game. For well, sure, there's bo- a lot of stuff to think about. Th- there's a lot to
1: think about from the weekend as a whole, but this game sort of a culmination of two teams where, okay, Boston didn't start off as hot as maybe some people thought. People were still very um, invested in this roster, though. And then on the other side, Washington starts off really hot. Yeah, they don't do what that great in playoffs, but they still do decent. And then they have an 0-2 weekend where they don't win a map? Like what is mm-hmm. going on? I think that's why this game in particular is such an, an an interesting story because you have sort of two diverging paths and they're not going the way that you thought they were going to go.
3: Mhm
0: so we'll talk about it again in a second, but I think the big like shocker for everybody for one, we got to see Gail Busey on the um or Gail Busey on. The Boston Uprising kind of coming in on the Sigma. Oh, no, Punk played Sigma, I think. But kind of coming in on Li Zhang and Junkertown. Washington Justice running the Assassin Jerry DPS line, which was not something I expected to see. Um, I don't think we saw Decay. We saw Decay for one map this weekend, I think, right?
1: No, we didn't see him at all this weekend. He did not play at all during the entire weekend. And that's the other part that's a little bit confusing for the Washington Justice, because like, decay is sort of the focal point that you've built this roster around and we don't mm-hmm. see him at all during the whole weekend why why is that the case we've seen from any of the teams that that have played like the the heroes that you can see decay playing like the mccree um I, yeah jerry's really good at hitscan stuff but decay is your your x factor right yeah he's the guy you sort of expect to be in that spot like i kind of understand maybe washington's thought process where it's like. Jerry is our hitscan specialist and assassins are flex guy. But decay is your best player. Your best player doesn't matter. The the game should always be playing. The fact that he wasn't is just such a
3: confusing and weird sight to see. You do
0: have to wonder as well, like, you saw people already kind of resurrecting the like decay benched himself decay is refusing to play thread and i, I, I think it's too early to say that, I think I would say it's too early to say that, but like you have to well there, you have to wonder there's nothing to substantiate it though either,
1: like before yeah. there was at least rumors about it and stuff like that, and like people coming out and saying things about it this time we don't know we don't know anything yet, so it, it's hard to um. It's hard to say right now. I highly doubt it. What, why would he bench himself? There, there's not the same sort of problems as far as we know as there were with Dallas. Like this team was built with him in mind. So I, I don't get it. I don't quite understand it. I think that he would do pretty good in this meta. I, I I don't know if they just trust Jerry more on the McCrean stuff, but like if you want Widowmaker to be played sometimes, which we've see, seen a lot of teams do like. I don't know. Decay just feels like the better pick for me because overall, I think he's got the higher ceiling. I think Jerry just might be a little bit more consistent. And Mm. I I don't want to put this all on Jerry either because like Jerry played fine. I don't think he was necessarily the problem for Washington. Washington, it seemed more like almost a whole team thing. Like I thought Assassin played pretty well, but I got to say, Mag on anything other than Winston has not impressed me. Uh, Yeah, that has been one of the things I think more than any others that stand out. And I'm still not sold on BB. I'm not
3: sold on BB. I think closers played okay, but BB has not sold me out on him on this roster. Well, I think
0: it's time to get into this week's news, because if we're going to make sure to get out of here on time, we got to go. pretty. There's a lot. There's a lot this week. So something I didn't expect to see this week, the Houston Outlaws announced that they had signed Dreamer uh dreamer you probably remember from last year's la valiant team one of those guys who uh got signed and people didn't really know about and turned out to have a really good season um i think what was it what's the there's the quote that they say about that uber had about dreamer last year with that crazy earth shatter where it's like it's disgusting and just wrong Yeah, but
1: although he's not the guy you you really expect to play the Reinhardt on this team. Anyways, I think Jango is 100% your Reinhardt, but it seems like they sort of brought him in to sort of play some of the other tanks, especially in this particular meta where you're going to need somebody who's not playing Reinhardt or Winston, which is where you kind of seem to maybe want Janggu to be. So to play those other tanks, it seemed like Dreamer was sort of their choice.
0: Mm hmm. It is like, it kind of caught all of us off guard, right? Because when we, I mean, Zhanggu, when he br- was brought in, we kind of thought that like Ryan was going to be his weaker tank. He was known as more of a monkey guy. And we saw a lot of Dreamer on the wrecking ball this weekend. So, I mean, hey, it works. Um, it looked really good so far, but it just wasn't something we expected. I do wonder where he goes, like if we see him more next week, or maybe, I don't know. I'm, I'm interested to see how he continues to fit into this hero pool.
1: I mean, he played, I think, more maps this week than Django did. I think Django yeah, only think played so. like two, maybe. I don't even remember how many Django played, but I know it wasn't, I know the majority was Dreamer.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: But super happy that one of those valiant 2020 guys gets another chance. I love that Man. roster. Uh, I am, hopefully, we get to see like one or two more of those guys, although. Because what last rose in the only ones I think that don't have overwatch league homes are rain gig. McGravy retired apply. I think almost all Oh, Adam was the other one, but I think almost all those guys have homes.
1: Yeah, most the ones that we wanted to see have homes, I think for the most part have gotten a home somewhere. So I'm at least a little bit happy about that. Like the guys that I thought had the most potential have found their way onto teams finally. And dreamer was sort of the last guy. Uh, of that group that I really thought had a chance
0: finally made it on to a roster. Now, you were really happy to talk about that. I know this uh, this next piece of news really was a huge of a huge bummer for you, LaBosca.
1: Yeah, a little bit of a bummer. Erster retired from the Shanghai Dragons. They they put out a statement two three years ago. He burst onto the scene with a massive victory in the kingdom of the dragons, captivating attention all over the world today, bearing the prestige Finally, having become a dragon in Shanghai, he returns home after retirement. With a dragon blade, rocket launcher, longbow, and iron fist at his disposal, disposal, Erster possessed an intimidating mastery of various tools. Despite all this, everyone goes through ups and downs, and Erster was no stranger to challenges and tough choices regarding his future. After many in-depth conversations between Erster and the team, we regret to announce that, Erster will officially be retiring after giving a lot of thought to his own development. Mer- Erster has decided to say goodbye to pro overwatch. We've arranged for everything, including his return to Korea in the near future. We wish we had more time to spend with Erster. His professional attitude and unrelenting optimism makes it incredibly tough for us to part ways. This is a crazy statement.
0: Like, I don't think this many a- players
1: get many statements like this. That's one of the things this- that shocks me more than anything else.
0: This is a great statement for sure. Like yeah, and
1: it's very good from, from Shanghai. Goodbye, Erster. We wish you the best of luck in all your future endeavors. and know you will always be a dragon. And he didn't even play. That's the crazy part about it, too.
0: You do, like, you very much get the sense that, like, they loved this guy. They loved having him on the team. I don't think you put a
1: statement out like that if you don't, right? Mm-hmm. Right, like, like that's that sounds like a player who's going into your like, like gonna have a jersey raised to the rafters, sort of almost. Like, sure, there's no video or anything, but the statement itself, like, that's a, yeah, that's a hero send off totem. That's that's a good way of putting it. That's that is a hero send off, and it also kind of makes you wonder why he had to retire. I I don't want to speculate on it or anything, but maybe maybe it wasn't the retirement that he was expecting, and it sucks because. Erster for me there's there's a connection as a broadcaster because the first time I got to get into Contenders was doing Contenders China and that's where Erster made his name the season that I got to do where Lucky Future Zenith were were the kings of the world they were the best team in China and there was no ifs ands or buts about it and Erster was a large part of why that happened so it sucks to see that this is the way that his career ends where we didn't even get to see him in his final season, but that's just the way it goes sometimes. And uh, it it is a little bit rough, but you you really, he must, he had to have made an impact on Shanghai in order for them to do something like that. And that was kind of cool.
0: Next piece of news. um, London Spitfire announced that their head coach uh, reprise would be stepping down from the team. Actually, he's going to be retiring and Fisher uh, as an FISC, H-E-R, um, who is an a assistant coach for them, will be moving into a head coaching position for them.
1: This man has flown through the coaching ranks. Like, man, he couldn't get in as a player, but my God, did he make it pretty fast to the Turos and to a head coaching spot in uh, in, in, in coaching. So congrats to Fisher. I'm a little bit surprised. I don't know what really prompted the, the
0: retirement. I didn't read um I, I have it here in front of me um while there are many reasons why i've decided to step down as head coach i want spitfire fans to know that it has nothing to do at all with my faith in the players or staff currently there if anything my faith in them has encouraged me to make this decision sooner rather than later because i've seen firsthand how amazing they can be they are some of the smartest most hard-working and passionate group of people i've ever had the pleasure of working with and it breaks my heart to make this decision but I believe it is ultimately for the best. Uh, He goes on to say, along with my decision to step down, I'm going to be retiring from Overwatch coaching altogether. There are also some key points I want to make clear. One, ultimately, my decision came down to the fact that I didn't live up to my own expectations in several areas and was not as effective of a head coach as I want to be or should be. Two, my coaching style is not what this team needs to succeed at its highest potential and I care about this team too much to let the wrong person lead it. This was not a sudden or reactionary decision and not a decision I would make at all if we did not have a smooth transition plan in place. There is no drama or bad blood or anything like that. I love working with these people and we have shared many fond memories together. I wish them all the best. And I know for a fact that with the right person at the helm, this team can do amazing things. That's, and that was reprise who just retired.
1: Yeah, that's really um, that's a very adult um, letter of retirement um, explanation mm-hmm. saying, hey. I don't think I'm doing a good enough job. And and reprise isn't going to be done with Overwatch either, just because he's not going to be coaching. He is the owner of Revival. Mm-hmm. So, like, he's still involved, right? L- like, this isn't the end for him. But I-, I like that he's able to see his own deficiencies and see that Fisher is probably better off being the, the head coach of this team rather than him so i i'm really happy that fisher gets this chance i'm still not i'm not sold on and i don't think anybody should be sold on the london spitfire roster but fisher mm-hmm. as a head coach i think is an interesting prospect
0: like you said it is kind of hilarious to think that like this guy grinded and tried so hard to get into overwatch league and like really kind of just tried to come in in a rough time, and then he makes it in as a coach. This dude's a head coach within like a year and a half. Like
1: well, you've done something right to do that. Like they don't just give head coaching to positions to somebody who who is um not been around for that long, right? Let mm-hmm. like they they don't just do that coaching. It's kind of obvious when somebody has it and when somebody doesn't. Not for everybody, but for. For those who who have experienced being a coach, like you can kind of feel if you you know what you're doing, if you you feel like you're doing something right. So I'm really happy for Fisher that he gets this chance. <laughs> I like too that his his um his uh, he had a tweet after this that said I'll head coach any percent speed run," because he pretty much did speed run to get to this point. So uh, I I'm I'm very curious to see what he can do with this roster. Again, I don't think it's a playoff contending roster, so I don't know how much he's going. If if he gets into a playoff spot with this roster, I'll be impressed.
0: I wish everybody success, although it's hard to yeah. wish all 20 teams success. Last piece of news to go over. Fusion University uh, posted a tweet earlier this weekend, I think on Saturday, um, kind of like a, a th- is this thing on thing for their Twitter account. Um, so obviously we've talked about before that the fusion guys who are supposed to be with the squad, Poco shockwave, funny Astro, um, because of visa issues, they have not been able to make it to Korea yet. Um, and fusion, the Philadelphia fusion have brought back the fusion university, uh, team to compete in EU contenders trials right now and, to kind of see where they go from there. Um, it gives a great I think Tucker even said it's a great spot for people get to see these guys play because these are players we really want to see play and that deserve to get kind of that viewing time. Um, they get to keep their skills sharp and like it brings back a brand that's really beloved by a lot of people. I know Totem in the chat is very happy about the 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 FU jersey. Oh, I <laughs> the FU jersey. See, here's the best thing love about Totem owns the FU Zachary jersey. The, bat, the, the worst yeah. omen in, in Overwatch League eSports. <laughs> uh, I, I don't think it's an a oh, bad
1: omen, but that's a that is a, that's a legendary jersey to own, I think, more than anything else. So good for Totem owning that. But I'm excited, um, in particular, just because of the players on this roster. I think that just the roster itself for Fusion Unity should make people very excited.
0: For sure. I know. And we have certain reasons why you're excited. Um, Christopher, uh, who is a coach for Philadelphia Fusion, is going to be the actual head coach for this team. Um, And then Cruz, who you might remember from Paris Eternal in last year and then Toronto Defiant as well, um, is going to be dipping his toe into the coaching pool. So he's going to be a coach for this team as well. Um, once again, they're competing in EU contenders trials. Um, roster is going to be on support. Funny Astro and Boombox making his return to the fusion in some form. Poco and then jakaru 19. I'm not familiar with jakaru but I've seen that name a lot. jakaru is pretty as, like, good. So it's a good pickup. Being in the contender sphere. Um, Shockwave, who I'm a big Shockwave stand, love to see the guy. Uh, Shockwave is one of your DPS. The other DPS, Gioli. LaBosco. You and I talked about this before. I gotta Giali-
1: I have an update for you really fast before you get to yes. that. There are 571, one hour, 37 minutes, and 16 seconds. 531 days, sorry. Let me let me let me say it right. Five hundred and seventy-one days, one hour, thirty-seven minutes, and eight seconds until Sugar Overwatch League eligible. He's back. He's not under he the same back? name, but that's okay. So he's not really back but i'm still going to say how long he has till he's back cuz he's back in our hearts
0: and that's all that matters we have to stand <laughs> we're so, getting closer
1: we're closer than we've ever been
0: so and just in case um he is going to be what's it um, he put out a statement because people uh, I think uh, Halo put out a thing of like, hey, I think I can confirm that Gialli is sugar free. And he pretty much said, like, nah, the quote was "Nah, that game is ass. And then because um, as we, he's been playing Valorant, Um, he's been grinding in Valorant for the like last little bit of time. But he put out another statement and said, well, it's, well, that got leaked fast. I won't be coming back 100 percent. Just filling for the fusion boys till they get their visas. I'll still be pursuing Valorant. But I will take sugar-free as much as I can. I will take any sugar-free, please.
1: He is a very talented gamer. Let's just say that. Like I, I know he hasn't broken in quite yet into the Valorant scene, but he is a guy that, that I really think will have a lot of success wherever he ends up. What Wherever he ends up. So I'm excited to see him back into the game, at least for a little bit, even though it's not going to be forever. I can still do the countdown because he's at least back in a starting position. So until he's not a starter on this team, I'm just saying, like, we got 571 days. He's playing Overwatch. It counts. It counts. It counts. Exactly. It it counts a little bit. So, no, I I, I think this is going to be a a really good roster. Um, I don't know if they said where they're competing. My guess is North America, because that's where they were competing before EU trials. Oh, EU trials. So it uh, makes sense because their roster is basically all EU. So, other than sugar free.
0: I'm just happy to see the boys back. And Definitely. we did get confirmation that EQO and Rostam, or um, Rostam being a staff member for Fusion University, or sorry, for Philadelphia Fusion, EQO has arrived in Korea. So he'll be doing his two week quarantine and then he'll be joining the team. So, we are slowly collecting the pieces. Uh, back in to the fusion roster definitely and i'm curious to see how good that roster will be when they get everybody back all righty labosco it is time to get into this week's games uh like we said earlier a ton of 3-1 and 3-0 overwatch not always in the direction we kind of thought it would be
1: yeah there there was a few games that were kind of head scratchers we were kind of already covered a couple of them but I mean just starting off the week Toronto defiant 3-1 but it was a tough 3-1 win for Toronto over the Paris Eternal.
2: Like that That's was pretty good.
1: A, that was an interesting one but Toronto looked really good at times where you're like, "Oh man, this is a pretty this roster definitely seems to be above all these other ones." Yeah,
0: Toronto looked pretty good, but they look it's weird. They still look at like that consistent I I hate to say mediocre. They look okay. They Look pretty good but like they do they don't look i think as high as some of us like mentally bumped them up to after that super strong week one i i
1: i never thought they because they didn't really play anybody the first week so i i was never super high on them um but i do think that they are a decent team i think that they are improving which is cool to see but they they still have a long way to go it seems like to compete with the teams that are really at the top
0: Looking at London Spitfire, they lose one to three to Florida mayhem. Florida looking pretty solid here. um, this one kind of went as expected. Hangzhou spark super good three one win over Guangzhou charge. Shai just continues to be better every time we see him. It seems like
1: i I, it, I don't know why they weren't playing him just like all the time before. like don't get me wrong, Godsby's a pretty good player, but like Shai is a different sort of level of player, so the fact that they've stayed consistently with Shai was very refreshing for me because I think the other parts of this roster are super good. I will say, though, Guangzhou in this game, they didn't just fall over. They still were able to get a map. And I thought that the charge started to look a lot better this week than they did last week. Like Krong was actually visible in the game. Rio, I thought, played a lot better. I, I thought Choisei Wan had a really, really good week, too. Like like the charge were not the same
0: team that we saw week May uh, Melee. Yes. A lot of the APAC teams seem to have really improved after May Melee. We talked about that with uh, New York, uh, which again, well, that's, that's in a couple games. Shanghai Dragons 3-0 over Chengdu Hunters. Um, kind of like a solid reassertion, I think. I think As much as we wanted to think Chengdu might have been like the top of APAC in May melee, I think now we're starting to get back into the spot where dragons have like caught their momentum back and they firmly reestablish themselves as the best team in APAC, I think. Well,
1: that's what I thought that after this game was like, Okay, they're not messing around with anybody anymore and then they they play another game this week, and I'm like, what is going on? Oh, right.
2: Dang. Yeah. Oh, gosh. So
1: so I don't know what the, like, APAC, right now, APAC is, like, the hardest thing to know what's going on with anymore because, like, you have the 3-0 here. Chengdu puts up a little bit of a fight. Like, it's not a, like, a clear-cut easy 3-0 for Shanghai, but there is a lot of dominance at certain points for Shanghai. But... I, I thought I, I was more disappointed that Chengdu didn't put up a little bit more of a fight than what they did. So um, yeah, sure. It's doesn't, it's not as bad of a three, but it's still three at the end of the day.
0: New York, Excelsior three, one over Philadelphia fusion. We talked about that in our highlight games. And then looking back at Paris eternal three, Oh, over Washington justice. So justice, like you said earlier, they get three Oh twice in this week. Yeah. And like this one, I
1: think, is a little bit less egregious um, than the the Boston one, because I think the Boston one, it was just they were kind of dominated in that one. This one, there was at least back and forth. And you're like, OK, maybe Washington needs to figure out a couple of things um, because they at least still put up a fight against Paris, even though Paris 3-0, them For
3: sure, for sure.
0: Paris has been looking really good lately. Well, okay. Really good may not be the word. They've looked improved. Um, Naga on the Echo looked awesome all weekend. Much better
1: um, in this game in particular. Like, he outperformed Assassin at quite a few points. Although, I think the the part that was the biggest difference in this game was Onigod. And then Don and Ellie vote played extremely well. I thought so too. And Dritro, you know, for somebody who's a rookie played per- really, really well.
0: Um, We talked about a little bit before. What is the, how does the meta kind of compare between APAC and North America? Like, cause in APAC, from what I remember, we were still seeing a lot of the echo, Ash or McCree, um, still your same dive tanks. And then a mercy pocket along with, and on sometimes.
1: I mean it was sort of the same thing in NA like that that seems to be the way teams were going but we saw like a smattering of DPS. Like I've got a list here that I have made of just like I think it was this game in particular that I was kind of making it and just looking at the the different compositions that teams were playing but like th- there was nothing like super super consistent that we saw from these teams. Like we saw some soldier we at at like the starts of some of these maps, we saw Hanzo. We saw a lot of the Echo, though. Like Echo was definitely something we saw a lot of. The McCree was something we saw a lot of. Um, we saw some Ash. Like th- there was it doesn't seem like uh we really have anything figured out just yet, because even in APAC, there was a lot of variation for what the DPS was. Like I think in I forget which team in APAC was running a May for certain maps and stuff too it it seems like it's still a little bit up in the air i think if anything it, it's sort of the tanks that are a little bit more figured out you're either running like Risa sigma depending on the map it is or you're running like double bubble or winston diva winston diva there's a lot of winston diva this week um yeah so so teams are kind of just sort of s- slowly starting to get into form but i don't think there's like a clear cut okay these are the six best heroes
3: Mm -hmm.
0: and i know like i saw a friend of ours uh tweet out that like one of the reasons that they dislike hero pools is because it removes certain options of counterplay yeah like oh well you don't have the like you don't have the sombra to counterplay the echo or you don't have the song like it removes certain counterplay options and i i don't know if i necessarily a thousand percent agree but i understand where that comes in as like it becomes that's where it becomes a straight up like person like player difference. I think
3: player difference
1: a little bit like what's the strength of this player, but I think more than anything else is like you still have to have some sort of adaptability, right? Because like if you're playing on your strengths and then this other team is playing on strength and it's strength versus strength and both things, you know, you're not really sure what's better what becomes meta ends up whatever the team either plays better on or, or whatever players better on that specific hero. So I, I don't know, like I kind of get that, but I also understand that there's other things like there are other ways to counter the echo. And if, if you are a more talented team, you're supposed to be able to win mere matchups, right? Like when goats was all that mattered, it was about who could run goats better because everybody was grinding it. Everybody was playing it. So I don't, we're obviously not to that extreme, but my point is, is the best players are the best players. They'll figure out a way to win. Uh, Dallas Mm. in May Melee is still the best example of that, right? Like their composition, nobody was playing, right? That was not the composition, but nobody could beat them. So what did teams have to do? They had to adapt and they came close, but they were never able to fully topple Dallas when it mattered most. So I, I think you'll see things go the same way in this tournament, but I don't think we have it figured out yet. It's only week one.
0: Houston Outlaws fall 3-1 to the Atlanta Reign. Atlanta's starting to look a little bit better after a kind of a topsy-turvy main melee stage. Um, It did look like it looked like at certain points, like Pelican really kind of had Dante's number a little bit. Pelican played
1: extremely well. And the other players who I I thought that Gator and Hawk in particular played very good this week. I thought that they (laughs) it's funny. We saw a lot of tanks have a bounce back week this week. It felt like for me. Um, and that that was one of the groups that I thought had had a very good bounce back week for themselves. It also felt like um, Dreamer is still being worked into the to the Houston Outlaws roster in this one, even though he was playing for the most part almost the entire time, um, because he only had Jengu play one map. So I, I think they're still getting used to having Dreamer actually in in-game situations where it's, you know, not um, not scrims.
3: Mm-hmm. Going into
0: a couple more games. Toronto Defiant fall 3-0 to the Boston Uprising. Boston having a great week. Um, like we talked about Gail Busi um gets some regular play in there. Myung Bong looks incredible, I think, lately on the Ana. Um, but I think the big thing is that Valentine and I'm 37 look great this whole weekend, Valentine and the Echo, especially. I think that that
1: a large part of that is because Gabe Lucy is able to enable them a lot more um, in those compositions where you're not playing the, the when you're not in a Sigma composition. Right. I think that you have like I like Punk as a player, but you can clearly see that that his niche is more with certain heroes and in particular the Sigma. But for those other heroes, you can see why they've made this addition for that flex tank spot. And to me, the way you see it play dividends is with how much better you get to see how much more um, opportunity the DPS have to make things happen because they they have somebody who's doing so good of peeling and doing everything else that 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 off tank is supposed to do. So I think the 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 linchpin of it all is that flex tank, that off tank spot. And, and you're really getting to see what this roster, why the people had a lot of faith when we saw this roster in the preseason.
0: It is kind of interesting, too, to see Toronto fall that hard to Boston. This meta, I think, really, really works for them, though. Like, this is a meta that allows, like, like you're saying, like, I'm 37 gets to play the Ash and the McCree. Valentine gets to play the Echo. Um, you have off tanks that can rotate based on different things. Stand one on the monkey, like Mion Bong and the Ana. Like, th- this is a meta that really plays into their hands well.
1: I think in part, but I do think more than anything else, like if if we get to see them have Gabe Lucy the entire time, because he only became. I, I think he was only eligible at the start of this, like I think his birthday was just recently, right? Like that was sort of the reason so. why, you know, Gabolsi was was uh, I always forget that that the way he spells it's actually Gabolsi because he had the weird capitalization he does. Well, he just turned 18. I, I don't know if maybe he wasn't in a yet. Maybe that's what it was. Why he, we didn't see him week number one, because he was he, he turned 18 in August. So I think it was the, we're seeing why that he he's playing, though, because like he plays a very good Zarya, he plays a very good Diva, he plays all these other off tanks very, very well. And um, uh, yeah, I don't know why they, they waited till June to do it or almost June,
0: I should say. So Labosco, you're going to have to explain to me this Shanghai Dragons Hangzhou Spark game. Because Hangzhou they shut out the Shanghai Dragons 3-0. Yeah. I
1: I don't understand what was going on. I I think it's part Shanghai had a really bad game and part Architect and Shy have become a super super good DPS combo. Like Shy is continuing to rise on a roster that that found one of the missing pieces that it sort of needed. I, I think that they finally have settled on, okay, this is our starting sis, six for, for Hangzhou, and it's starting to really pay off. That's what it feels like to me, and, and it also feels like like uh, Shanghai just did not have a good day.
0: Do you think they look even better if Liga actually gets
1: to play? Maybe. I mean, well, Coldest is still sitting there somewhere, too, but... Like, they're not playing for a reason, right?
3: Mm-hmm.
1: So, I don't know. I, I would say that, that they have they didn't switch anything up. It seemed to make a difference because everybody played really well. So, I'm not going to... It's only one week, though, right? Like, we need to see them continue to do this. I think this is always one of the biggest problems that we have with Overwatch and, and certain people who who cover the league and they talk about the league is after one week, they want to crown somebody a champion. Right. Mm-hmm. The, the reason why we are everybody's still high on San Francisco is because they've done it over a consistent amount of time. Mm-hmm. So until we see the spark continue to keep it together, I'm not going to say anything and I'm still going to be much higher on Shanghai. But I think this bodes well at the start.
0: Guangzhou charge bounced back with a 3-1 win over the New York Excelsior. Like you're saying, like getting to see Krong and Rio and the rest of the boys actually look like strong lately has been it's really good. APAC all of a sudden goes from like having a very top-heavy system to like where games are actually competitive again. And
1: this might be in part because of the fact that you have hero pools in place, but it also feels like teams have sort of started to play a lot better. Because we saw like Krong last week was playing some of the like we didn't see Everybody was talking about Roadhog and Roadhog was going to be played a ton. Like, Roadhog barely got played. Like, there wasn't as much Roadhog as people had promised us, which disappoints me immensely. But an example of teams improving is Krong looked a lot better on Diva this week than he did the previous week and, and Zarya and everything else. So I, I think that we, we have seen teams adjust very well to what was being done. It's just about how can they keep ahead of the curve? And because once June joust goes out, we know that the hero pools are gone again. And then we get to see everything come into play. And then how will teams be that?
0: What do you think about Chung do three ing Philadelphia fusion? I
1: think I'm a little bit afraid if I'm the Philadelphia fusion, because this roster that, you know, was super new together was looking really good, had some good cohesion. And then they falter a little bit in the playoffs. And it's like, it's OK. It's only the first t- playoff. Well, now I don't know what's going on, because Chengdu is a team that you should be competing with and beating, even though Chengdu is a a roster that a lot of people have a lot of high expectations for, too. Mm -hmm. So I'm a little I'm starting to get a little bit concerned if I'm the Philadelphia fusion, because like Carpe and Rascal should not be getting outdone on heroes the way that they have. Rascal is so good at so many heroes the fact that that he he just was outshined by leave so much and and carpe too just getting outshined as well like this is uh this is not the expectation we have for this team and and carpe being considered one of the best players to ever play he did not look at this weekend
0: i like what you said and i also wonder like i've heard the point made with like the whole league point system that like really really needs to keep winning because if they like with how tight APAC is, it's super easy to slip from second to fifth.
1: And that's the thing. Like you're in the O2 hole now. If you're in Philadelphia, you can almost kiss goodbye getting into the tournament at this point. Like you have to you, you have to win your next two games and you have to get lucky in order for things to sort of fall your way to to have a chance to be i I think you can still be one of those top four teams no problem if you go two and two but but there's so much of that added pressure where you can't even get a win that first week because now you have to
0: 2-0 your next week three more games before we preview a week seven atlanta rain 3-0 over london spitfire Washington Justice fall 3-0 to the Boston Uprising, like we talked about. And then Houston Outlaws put it back together for a 3-1 over the Florida mayhem. Um the Jake Mercy was that in this game or was that in the Atlantic game? Was, the that Jake Mercy
1: That was the last game, although he might have, I don't know if he played it in this one as well. Um The Jake Rat did make a return, though. Yeah, Jake Rat made a return. Um I think the other he did play a little bit more though, um,
3: of the Mercy and the, the Brig.
0: It's still so weird, but like I don't know. I don't love it, but like I'm not gonna say anything what, bad about what, it. What
3: yet.
1: what what is there not to like about it if he's if the team is winning when he's playing it?
0: No. You're no, you're right. I'm not just like, you're right. I just, it gives me weird, like, ugh, feelings, I guess. What,
1: what is, wh- why? Why? Why are you mad that your team is winning with him in a position? <laughs> why? That makes mad no is sense. not the word. Mad is not the word, LaBosco. No. Um, but why, why, are, why do you have this, this, this bad feeling about Jake playing in a in spot on, okay. Because the, the reason you do this is the maps that he's playing the Mercy on are also maps where you want somebody to play the brigita, right? True, so, true. So who do you want playing your brigita more, Juby or Jake?
0: I hadn't considered the, the ability to have the brigita swap, which I think is what you're mainly going in for. I think it's right. just... And, it, by and
1: it. you can learn Mercy, right? Like Like, sure, there are certain things you want to be able to do that Jake might not be able to do, but... Mercy has that low ceiling, right? Or sorry, low or high floor. Um, The ceiling is actually higher than people realize for Mercy, but the floor is extremely high. So you're not hurting as much as, say, other heroes, like if you needed Jake to play Lucio.
0: And also, I I would
1: remind you that Harry Hook, which I, I hate to say his name, but he is the, the first example that comes to mind, unfortunately, a player who was a DPS player that made the switch over to main support and was extremely good. Uh,
0: maybe I'm overblowing it. I think it's more that the part that I like gives me a little bit in it is that you brought in Jake to be like your co- your player coach. With I think the emphasis in the offseason was so much more on like he's a coach. He's not gonna play like a ton. Don't I expect to see Jake in a ton. And then he's not like I, think I He's been in more than I guess I expected, and so I know it's it might just be a subjective thing for me. Where according to my very specific personal standards, I feel like I'm seeing him too much, but that's not necessarily fair.
1: Here's the thing, though: they're not losing when they're doing it, right? They clearly have a plan, Mm -hmm. and it's not like they didn't just put him. They're putting him in on maps where they're playing bad teams. They put him in against the four and one Florida mayhem, right? So they have Mm -hmm. faith in what they're doing. I I guess that maybe. I think what it is, is you don't trust the people in charge yet enough, because if they believe this is a good idea and they're continuing to do it and it's working. Normally, most if you're a fan of, of, okay let's put it this way. Let's say you're a fan of the San Francisco Shock and they did this, right? Would you be questioning it as much if you knew that that the person who was the one making the decision was crusty? Would you feel the same way?
0: I would feel a lot better about it, but I
1: also. Exactly. That's my point. See what I'm saying? Like, like, I think where the there's that's where the disconnect is. Mm -hmm. You don't have that trust for the front office and the staff yet to believe in the decisions that they're doing. They haven't earned your trust yet. they, They haven't earned your trust yet, though. You're not there yet. That's
0: why you feel that way. When I don't mean that as a slight to them. I think it's more of the it's it's like we've talked about. It's so hard to trust Houston. You've been burned so many times,
1: (laughs) but 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 do you get like why that that seems almost crazy where it's like something is working and you're not feeling good about it? And it's like,
3: what? What?
0: No, I think you nailed it. I think you got it.
3: It makes sense, though.
1: It really does, because. What have they done up until this point to really earn your trust? Um, Not a whole lot. So I I do think that this new regime and this new um, management and, and the way that the coaching staff is right now, I think you should give them a little bit more.
0: Looking at next week's games. A lot of tough matchups. London Spitfire versus... Well, not this one. Not these ones. I think I'm looking more towards the end. Um, London Spitfire (laughs) versus Dallas Fuel and LA Gladiators versus Vancouver Titans. Those are both happening Friday, May 28th, starting at noon Pacific time. Saturday at 2 a.m. Pacific time. Shanghai Dragons versus LA Valiant. New York Excelsior versus Seoul Dynasty. And that's going to be your repeat encore game at 3.30. And then... No, I'm sorry, at 9 3 a.m. Pacific time. Saturday afternoon games are going to be Houston versus London Spitfire, San Francisco Shock versus the Toronto Defiant, Atlanta Rain versus LA Gladiators, um, and then your Sunday games are going to be at 2 a.m. New York Excelsior versus LA Valiant, and that's going to be your Encore game again later, Shanghai Dragons versus Seoul Dynasty, Toronto Defiant versus Houston Outlaws, Atlanta Rain versus Vancouver Titans, and Dallas Goal versus San Francisco Shock. So I said there were a lot of great matchups. I probably maybe overshot that a little bit. Um Atlanta Rain versus LA. Ones. There's a couple of good ones. Yeah. Atlanta Rain versus LA Gladiators, I think, will be a very interesting game. Yeah. More so to see who actually is going to be the gatekeeper team. Because LA needs to bounce back. Like they need to bounce back this stage.
1: Well, and and to think about it, you had a 2-0 week from Atlanta. And if they win this one, you almost you almost think that they four zero and they have the potential to be the number one seed. Yeah, like that is that is a real possibility. So I think that's why you circle that game as well because like that's the only real challenge left that you see on Atlanta's schedule to maybe getting that or not. I mean, they still have to win all the games, of course, but like that's the game that you're you're more concerned about. I don't think you're as concerned for for the game against Vancouver because Vancouver still hasn't shown us anything just yet, but. Mm-hmm. Who knows? The, the nice thing is, is that Vancouver and the Gladiators both play each other. Like Atlanta's a little lucky with this, so they get to see both teams play each other before they have to play either of them. So that's that's kind of wild that the the schedule worked out really well for them in that way.
0: It is kind of funny that I'm look. I kind of am looking forward to Soul Dynasty versus New York Excelsior just to see, like, all right, does the wacky shenanigans like come back for this soul game? Like, I, I kind of want to see what happens.
1: I feel like this is like um, as far as like the hero bands like you have to feel really good about gesture and profit right now because like oh there's a lot more recent that gets to be played like I feel like this is a meta thinking about what we've seen so far at least in week one this might be a pretty darn good week or a good month for for the soul dynasty so that is that is definitely one that is intriguing as well I also like Dallas fuel being the first game we get to see, I, I want to know what they're going to do because we've seen so much hit scan, Not that they have to play it because we've seen a lot of Hanzo too. I just want to know what Dallas is going to do, so I'm, I'm glad we get to see them first.:
0: Well, them versus the shock as our last game is going to be really interesting to watch too. I'm really wondering how that one turns out, because I think how does San Francisco, who has been beaten down twice now, how do they kind of res- how do they respond in this new meta? How do they respond like now that your Tracer and Sombra are both gone too? Well, and now you have, I I don't think
1: that hurts San Francisco that much. Like sure. You don't have ons, but you have Nero, you've got, you've got striker. You're fine. Like I'm not concerned about that for San Francisco. I'm more curious to see like, how do they bounce back from having playing played not up to their expectations in the May melee. So that's, that's the part I'm more curious about than anything else. And they have, I think they have the the toughest June joust schedule, at least based on what I'm seeing so far. I mean, you got Toronto and Dallas so far, and and sure, Toronto isn't like two and zero at this point, but they're still a team that that looks like they kind of have a better grasp of the meta than some other teams. So that that is an intriguing matchup to to have
0: this week as well. So, I think that does it for most of our coverage for this week. However, mm-hmm. the Bosco. there is a piece of news that is more general Overwatch related, but it does relate to Overwatch League that we really should cover. Earlier this week on, uh, why did I say October? Why did I almost say October? Um, On May 20th, on Friday, the, was it Thursday? I don't know. Whatever. Um, Overwatch did a PvP showcase for overwatch 2 showing a bunch of stuff that's coming to the new game um we saw a lot about push which is the game mode that will likely be coming into a place assault we saw a lot about like the different passives that are being granted to different heroes um we saw a couple more of the skins that are coming or i guess the update updated designs for characters but the big thing that we took away was that overwatch 2 um has is confirmed to be 5v5 um that's going to be two dps two supports and one tank now the Bosco, i think it would be fair to say that um overwatch twitter twitter kind of exploded yeah on thursday and most of friday put it
1: lightly that's putting it lightly um, um i think the 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 uh what do they call it the the countdown clock or whatever was at like 1
0: <laughs> it wasn't oh, at 0 yeah, but the, it was pretty the close countdown to annihilation clock yeah. yeah
1: yeah it was at like 1 Um, it, it was, uh, there, there was a lot of negativity. There was some people very positive about it. There there was, it was kind of all over the place. Um, some people were very level headed about it. Some people were not and deservedly. So when you think about some people have their livelihoods that are now at stake as a result of this decision that's being made by the blizzard development team. And there was a lot of people taking light of that fact. And then saying, oh, well, they're still going to be, you know, they're not every, one tank is going to be enough for teams. They're still going to need more than one player. This and that. Like, there was a, there was that there was there was a lot of a um, lot of problems with how some people handled this. So I think is the best way to put it.
0: Here's the thing. Like. You and I saw plenty of takes. Um there were some people who immediately try to make like how it's a big conspiracy to save Overwatch League teams money by not having to play tank players, which like, OK, like for sure. Overwatch, who has never really cared about doing stuff for Overwatch League in the past, is now going to do this just for Overwatch League teams. OK, fine. Well, um, here's that's the- not that's that's a side effect. That is not the primary reason why right. this changes was made,
1: but but Overwatch League teams are not going to be against going to five V five. They're not going to be against having to pay one less player starter money. Like that is something that from a team standpoint is something they are okay with. So sure. It might not have been the driving force, but was there going to be the same opposition as say, Hey, we're getting rid of hit scan where now if you're a team that you have a high profile player who, who plays that role, maybe then you're fighting about it. But why are you going to fight if you don't have to pay somebody, right? No business is going to do that. And all of these teams are business. They're franchises. There's a reason why the franchise model is something that owners wanted. So they're, of course, they're not going to fight it at all. They knew probably before anyone else, the owners. So, so if I'm an owner, what, what, what are, why am I going to be upset that I, I now have less of a financial burden that I have to pay for players because I don't have to pay one more starter. Like, that's that well, is something that is in the benefit of teams. And I don't think that is something that should be lost, even though it's not the driving force or even was part of the decision.
0: Well, they knew, I think along this train of thought, like it's likely that teams knew, players, players did not did. know um fried wiener posted a tweet saying unbelievably disrespectful to make this decision and completely remove a role that players gave up years of their role of their lives to achieve not all your favorite tank players will disappear but lots will and not once were pro players made aware of this or asked on their philosophies and a uh, friend of the show uh for uh previous guest boop yeah. actually reached out and was saying oh like have you did you guys find out what this and have you known for a bit um we were kept and his responses we were kept just in the, as much in the dark as everyone else you'd think with a game-changing system this big they consult the people who push the game to its competitive limits or at the very least have us test it another one was at the end of the day is i don't care about casual if it's more fun or it works out whatever but the fact that many of my friends or people i admire will be out of jobs is just disrespectful and the issue we, we saw was that this is like this is a healthy thing. I grieving sounds like too much of a word, almost, but like I think it's accurate for a lot of people. This is a healthy thing to grieve and a healthy thing to be upset about. But I think what made it worse that like you saw so many people who were so eager just to push into the next phase of like, oh, Blizzard fans complain about everything, Overwatch fans complain about everything, like they hate everything. We're just, this is gonna be great because you haven't played it yet, like. You saw people try to leapfrog the current frustration and uproar and just go straight to the, hey, be positive about it. It's going to be great.
1: Well, it's just it's disrespectful to those players who gave up a large part of their life to try and make this their livelihood. And they're the way that they're feeling right now is very real and very raw. So Mm -hmm. to to sort of pile on them for something that has been completely out of their control and, and the fact that they don't have any input. Is something that that is very I am disheartened by it because you would think that the the Overwatch team would at least give, you know, talk to them about it, see what their thoughts on it are. And maybe then maybe you could have gotten to this point a little bit easier than the way that you are right now, instead of blindsiding them with it. Yeah, that's I think the part that is most frustrating for me, because. I understand everybody who's saying it's short-sighted to think that staying 6v6 is going to be good for the game and blah, blah, blah. But here's the thing. We don't know if 5v5 is going to be good for the game. Mm-hmm. We don't. We don't know. Like We can speculate,
0: it, but we can't actually say right. for sure.
1: We can't say for sure. Nobody's played the game with it being 5v5. Regardless of that, too. You... you them making a drastic change was something that clearly needed to happen. So it's understandable that this is maybe one of the decisions that they were going to make. So I understand of looking for the long term for the game, but I also understand that you're talking about people's lives with the decision that's being made. So you you have to be able to balance both of those things. And there are some people that are just pushing it so far one way. That it's like, come on, man, like, just just look at some of the other people around and understand why they might feel that way. Sure, it's a short sighted feeling. But if you're a player who's thinking about his future, you're going to be thinking a little bit short sighted. So understand the person that and how they're responding to something. People just don't. There were so many things that, that were sort of like really unfortunate to see how people reacted to each other and stuff like that. And I think that was the most disappointing part about it for me is not that, okay, this was a decision that got made, but we didn't have the players at least involved in some capacity. And we also had people not really understanding where a lot of these players were coming from. And that to me sucked because they're the one I'm not sitting here grinding 12 hours a day of overwatch. I'm not doing that. I don't yeah. understand the the emotions that a player is going to be feeling who's an off tank who's like, I don't know if I'm going to have a job next year. I don't get it because I'm not in that position. But I at least have the empathy to understand that, man, yeah. he probably isn't feeling like he, he, he probably doesn't feel too good about the own security of something that he had no idea was coming.
0: Well, and people. So. When we look at how this gate, like how this actually could affect the game going forward. There's still likely it's like it's still pretty likely that you're going to need people to specialize like in different tanks like you're not going to be able to. I don't think you're going to be able to get by with just having one tank on your roster. But in long term, like, like you said it like super well, the game needs something to majorly change. Um, I know the people yeah. like friend, friends we have that play the game casually are all about it. They love this high P 5 change, yeah. at least like from what I've seen on Twitter. We
1: we it should be understandable why people are very excited about the change because it opens things up a lot more for the DPS and the support. Right, because you have one less barrier you have to deal with. Uh, you don't have the same peel that you have to deal with or or two giant beefy tanks coming in to try and destroy your team. Like I get why from a casual perspective. Uh, th- this is an exciting change, but I can also understand the other side where tank players tank synergy and, and being able to make plays with tanks like that Zarya and Winston or Winston and, you know, Reinhardt uh, or which is very rare, but I- Zarya and Reinhardt, excuse me, was that what I was trying to say Arisa Sigma like, you know, the 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 halt and the hook with Roadhog Arisa like those are things you will never see again mm-hmm. in 5v5 which does kind of suck there there is an element that you you remove by doing this uh turning it to, more towards checkers from chess is, is the uh the is wording that was used by samito in in his video sort of talking about
0: it but th- uh, go ahead well i was gonna say when we look at like what i appreciate what totem said where it's, it seems like there's any time there's drastic change the knee jerk reaction is doom and gloom and it makes sense like why like this is already a very significant change. I think eliminating a whole role definitely is a little bit more than the other thing. I do wonder, like, when we look as far as like an esports perspective, I think the main points I've seen is that it makes this a lot easier to visually track. Um, it's there's a lot, there's a little bit less going on as far as a full person and like another body, like another body, another effect, plus the actual like things are throwing out into the world. Plus, you effectively zero out double shield. I have, like, yeah. I have a question for you more
1: question for you, Ramses. What do you think is going to be easier to observe? Uh, five V five overwatch or goats overwatch.
0: There's differences in what you're which, shooting for. J-
1: just, just, just from, a, from a technically
0: do- easier standpoint, I think goats is more easy to observe, but I'm saying, so I'm not saying I a hundred percent agree with it, but I think this is the point I've seen brought up again. against it. right, oh, well, but, like it'll but, be easier to visually watch. It,
1: Right. But my point is, is that just because there's one less player doesn't mean that there's not going to be less chaos, doesn't mean that there's not going to be multiple people around the map doing different things. It doesn't. Esports in general, most games are not super easy to observe, like, you know, look at Counter-Strike, like. You have multiple angles you could be attacking. Like, sure, you're usually attacking the same spot, but you can't see always what's going on from every single angle all at the same time. Overwatch is always going to be that way and has a lot more chaos. But a game that comes to mind for me is football. We all love football if you're from America, American football, whatever. There's 11 players on the field, but it is very easy to know what's going on because of how the game works. So Overwatch still has that base problem for how the game works. That is still not going to be easily observable. I think push makes it a little bit easier because you have one main area that you have to focus on because you're pushing that. Like, I think push actually might end up being visually one of the easier ones to do, but control never going to be easy to observe. So I, I think when you're looking at those different perspectives. Like. I don't know how much easier it's going to make the game as far as observing, other than the fact that now you have one less observer that you have to worry about, one one less player from each team. It's still not going to be easy to view Overwatch. Like, anybody who thinks taking one player out changes that, I think that's not the right way to be thinking about this. I, I think the other benefits are the ones that matter more, and thinking about it from that perspective just doesn't really get us to what we're we're really trying to achieve Mm -hmm.
0: i will say it was also cool i this is bringing like there's going to be passives as well we've talked about how tanks are going to get like a knockback resistance boost um we're going to see that they also have (laughs) um tanks will also have a lot more um like you're you will yield less ult charge when you're getting shot um my favorite bit of the whole announcement was that they showed Maze made no longer 100% freezes you it's just a slow it's and a slow
1: CC is nice. I, also I like they that.
0: gave Winston a Glock and my boy can snipe people now which I might <laughs> <laughs> You can freaking right click to just zap people from across. So I don't know. Um one more uh, I guess one more thing I want to get your opinion on Lobo before we wrap up for the night. Um do you think, what was it? It was specifically eSports related with it. Do you think it makes it, do you think that a 5v5 game is easier to balance for? Since you don't have to worry about how tanks synergize with each other.
1: I, I don't think, no, I think it's still going to be hard to, to balance Overwatch. I think maybe it makes it a little bit easier. But how much, I don't know. I, I, I think that that you you... <laughs> There's so many games that are 5v5 that don't have balance. Like, I don't know why people think that one less player is going to make all the difference in balancing. It, mm-hmm. It's just not. And I think one thing that Overwatch, more than a lot of other games, has a problem with is understanding the fact that you're you're never going to truly have perfect balance. Um, that still seems to be something that the Overwatch team believes. And I think that's one of their biggest hurdles that they still have to overcome as a group is that. Symmetra is not going to be one hundred percent viable all the time. may is shouldn't be one hundred percent viable all the time, right? like you're never truly going to have every single hero be one hundred percent viable so mm. it, it's it's uh it's a good goal to try and achieve, but to think that it is actually in the realm of possibility it's something to strive for, not something you should expect, right. Like that should be the way that they look at it, not not in, in the way that we need to make this happen. Like, oh no, Junkrat has fallen below this threshold for a number of players playing him. We need to boost him. You know what I mean? Like like knee jerk yeah. reactions like that are not what are needed in this game, in any game for that matter. So I hope that that's something that they can kind of really come to terms with. Because I think that matters more than anything else as far as them making overwatch 2 extremely su- successful as a pvp game i'm actually very confident that they can make it pretty successful with pve but but pvp if they want it to continue it on a path where it can be something healthy and something people want to watch you have to keep those things in mind
0: most definitely the bosco anything else before we wrap up for the night
1: the one last thing i guess that I'd i'd want to say on this is that it's good to be excited for change but it's also good to really think about where other people are coming from. Uh, That's the thing more than anything else. And to, to realize that we still don't know a whole lot about this game. And I I hope that there's optimism for people, but I, I hope that people also understand that, that this is something that can really, really change the lives of a lot of people too.
0: I agree. I think it's, It's like like you said earlier, it's important to be able to be optimistic, but to also have empathy for what people are going through right now.
1: Exactly. Like like be optimistic, but understand where other people are coming from and why they might not be as um, excited about it as you are. And and don't throw them under the bus or just because they might act more emotionally because of how much more it affects them than you. I was really disappointed this week when I saw some some people who are, who are my peers um really get into sort of uh one up, in a one-up battle on Twitter w- with with players and it was like that yeah. that's that's stuff that's not really needed it's um one like we can't really do our jobs without the players and two it, it's uh, you know be be the bigger person sort of a thing So that that I was a little bit disappointed about. So I I hope that that sort of stuff will stuff will stop, and that maybe we'll you know (laughs) we we want to be able to work with the players. So maybe maybe don't throw them under the bus. That's all.
0: I agree with you. I think my big personal bummer is that I will no longer get to tank duo with my buddies or with you, LaBosco, (laughs) as we try as we try and fail to get out of ranked or try to Uh, try and fail to get out of gold. You know Um, me. I
1: don't care. So. I, I I don't care about how well we play. Um,
0: I'll tell you Totem what, make, though. You I, I did
1: miss a little bit of us not being able to play today, so.
0: For sure. I, and I had a lot of commencement stuff this week. Uh, that'll be back to normal next week. We will be back on time at 7 p.m. PST to game. Um, Totems here roasting me in the chat. Imagine having to rely solely on Ramsey's as your only tank in the future. LOL. Um, Other point, he made very good chance we'll see a higher influx of retirements this season after the season because of it. I mean, you saw Gator and Hawk kind of react that way for sure. I'm sure we'll get a couple people who are like, yeah, like I'm it's probably not going to happen for me. I'm if you're like a tank who's mid level or under that, like I understand you. I I see that retirement coming a mile away.
1: Well, the, the other thing is, is we're going to see tanks retire at lower levels as well that maybe had promising futures, but we'll never know now because their position is completely gone. And we, obviously we don't know what the position of tank is going to look like yet. And, and, and just because you brought it up and, and I just thought of it now, here's something to remember too, because people are a little bit too high on, Oh, they're going to need multiple people to play tank. When you're not a starter, you don't get paid the same as the starters right if you're on the bench you don't get paid the same as a starter so that's one thing how many teams have we seen not want to have benches Mm
3: -hmm. that's
1: all i want to say anymore but we've seen so many teams not have a bench to think that they won't continue that way i think is very naive
0: we'll have to see i mean if there's anything I've learned about Overwatch League is that we could have predictions, but at the end of the day, we, won't, we will almost never know what actually is going to happen. Exactly. <laughs> for sure. Thanks for hanging out for episode 104 of Push the Point. Thanks for listening if you're on your phone or on your computer. If you're watching us on stream, thanks for being in chat. We appreciate you guys a lot, especially when you're in the chat hanging out with us. It's it's a good time. Um, and like we said, we're here Sundays, 7 p.m. PST, twitch.tv slash mash those buttons. Um If you want to hang out with us, or I guess if you want to help us, another thing you can do is leave us a review on your podcasting platform or listening platform of choice. Let us know what you guys like. Uh, Constructive criticism is always good. We know what we can improve. And it's a great way to flame me for failing to carry you in game night, Um, which we should be announcing that. That will be in about three weeks, I think.
1: Yeah, and we also invite you to join us in the Mashless Buttons community so that way you can actually do that on game nights. And to do that, you go to discord.me slash Buttons it keeps you up to date on all your favorite shows from the network too. There's a bunch of really good ones. I know that they've started talking to about the Mass Effect Legendary Edition, which I've been spending a lot of my time in, Um so you'll be able to hear about that if that's something that you're interested in, but stick around and hear about those shows. There's some really really good ones here on the network. And also it'll um we always will add anybody who has the Overwatch tag in the Discord for those game nights. So it's another reason why you should get into the Discord. Uh if you want to support the network directly, Go to patreon.com slash smash those buttons. And for as little as $1 a month, you can get Patreon exclusive content, a bunch of cool stuff over there. So please, please check it out and support this awesome, awesome network or, you know, support the show, too. I guess if you want to do that at Pushpoint POD is where you do that on Twitter where you can see, you know, when episodes are coming out and all that or email us, email us, ush, ush. I don't know why I said ush, ush, (laughs) ush. Email us. God, my English is terrible sometimes at push the point at gmail.com. So that's where you'll do that. If you want to email us.
0: Or sure, for sure. If they want to talk to you specifically, Lobo, if they want to get caught up on one piece or the things that happen with the Chicago white Sox. <laughs> where can they go
1: at Lobosco is where you can do that. You can see me defending um, your main Mercedes because apparently Tony LaRue is okay, with his players getting hit for hitting a home run on a 47 mile an hour meatball so yeah you'll see that on
0: twitter there and if you want to follow me you can find me on twitter at ramsey's underscore ow um trying to be more active late. not making it work making it get better um but that is gonna be it for episode 104 of push the point thanks again for hanging out and as always we just want to remind you to stay safe take care of yourself And have a great week. We will see you soon. Later.